Hello and welcome to this very important session, especially for anybody interested in podcast, which I think at this point is pretty much everyone in the radio industry in some way. Um, we're here with Ross Sargent from Iono. He's a non-executive director there. And um, he'll be talking to us not just about the, pet, uh, the metrics of podcasting, but specifically how you can use that to maximize your, um, your revenue. Go for it, Ross. Thanks for the introduction. Hi, everybody. Um, so, um, I was originally going to talk about metrics, and I wanted to broaden the conversation a bit to why we talk about metrics, and it was a lovely conversation we had in the other room about 20 minutes ago about how important metrics are, and ultimately, uh, we're using them to increase our revenue and to be more accountable and actually to fund the entire operation. So, um, I'm going to speak from my experience, and just to uh, contextualize why I am talking about this and why I am still, after 20 years, so crazy about radio, um, I'll just talk about where I come from. So, at a very sort of young age, when I started out, I was the media manager for a bank called FNB, uh, which you might remember at one stage was quite keen on radio. Um, I was also the media manager of Brandhouse, producing alcohol in South Africa. I was the media manager in the UK for Diageo, which is an alcohol company. I was also the media manager for Diageo in, in, in Ireland. And then I went on to work for media agencies, where we actually got to do the work and the exciting stuff and deal with the fantastic media owners and do awesome stuff instead of being the client and at arm's length distance away being slightly difficult if we felt like it. Um, and I worked at Medicom and OMD. And aside from the fact that I'm almost entirely deaf and I lip-read, um, I've loved radio because of the fact that it is an, it's a surrounding sound, and you're able to really engage in something. Um, and and it's, it's just really beautiful. Now, from a commerce perspective, as an advertiser, that has always created the most amazing opportunities to engage with people in a brand. So we used to speak very, very excitedly about how cinema sort of drags you into what's going on and how radio drags you into what's going on. And if you're old enough to remember those wonderful SABC radio ads that used to talk about sound surrounding you, um, that's what it is. So um, just a couple of things that really have inspired me, and this is all about how to make you know how the, the the stations have been making money but how we spend uh, money as advertisers we've done some really cool stuff so um, at FMB, um, you know, about 17 years ago, we identified that most of the media data in South Africa was wrong. Um, not a huge shock if you're involved in any of that part of the industry, it's still mostly wrong. Um, and we did our own research, and we identified some really, really fantastic things about understanding uh, what was the next step in terms of media in the country. And the next step at that stage was digital, and radio was becoming incredibly part and part. So um, that's where the FMB radio uh, strategy went. I'll I also worked for another bank as well, Standard Bank. Um, we did some amazing, engaging radio dramas, uh, which was from the fantastic people at Radioheads. If anyone else tells you any difference, not true. Radioheads came with a brilliant idea there. Um, and we also, um, at one stage, uh, identified that one of the other banks was focusing on radio, and we, we need to pull away from radio. So the gap we, ident we, we identified there was, there was quite big. So Quite a lot of things. Another thing as well, um, which uh, again I'm going to dig into a few, few, few um, sort of years back when OBs were the great thing. I think there was one evening where we um, we had a Smyrna promotion, and we crossed live to one of the creatives from the ad agencies. After he had probably about six drinks, and then we asked him to imitate a, a Russian accent live on radio. Uh, I think it was Kaya. I'm sorry, it was a really big night. <laughs> um, and he did it brilliantly. It, it was great fun. 
we paid a lot of money for that. It was worth it. Uh, we also ran the JMB Met. We did Smirnoff soccer promotions. Um, we also, um, in the alcohol industry in the UK particularly, we had big, big issues about advertising in a broad-based medium, and I'm talking about podcasting today, um, where it was very challenging uh, to identify what the age of the people were. So we had to pull back there. And, and, and obviously in the niche area, um, like MoneyWeb, etc., we've done quite a lot of things. So I'm going to talk about um, podcasting and live radio streaming and how to generate serious revenue out of this area and why it's actually even worth thinking of. Um, in terms of podcasting, there's, there's two things to consider. Um, we have live radio streaming, which ideally doesn't really change the way that a consumer interacts with the audio. It's the same thing just delivered by internet protocols, so much the same way as a lot of television is developed, uh, uh, delivered by internet protocol. It doesn't change the way you receive it. I don't think my dad knows that Netflix comes through the internet. I think he thinks it comes through the satellite decoder. Um, and then on the other side, we have podcasts, which is, and I'm going to state this obviously, I know pretty much everybody knows what this is, but a, an individual audio clip which is not live, which can be replayed on multiple devices in multiple places, uh, saved for later or almost as soon as it comes up. And then in the, in the middle of that tiny little chart over there is, is the beauty of these two, is to be able to interact with both of these types of audio through a device which, as an advertiser, gives us beautiful metrics and information that we can really understand. So I have often had discussions with radio stations about sponsorships, fantastic sponsorships. What's the price? What's the price? 550,000 Rand. Where did you come up with that figure? They came with a figure because they knew that that was the figure that we would end up paying. Um, ultimately, when we put metrics and we put figures and we put numbers into it, we can actually say, am I going to get 4,000 returns from this? What's every return worth 100 Rand? So therefore, I'm prepared to pay specifically 400,000 Rand, not necessarily anything else. Um, and that's the exciting area um, that we're going into. I am, obviously, after all the other stuff doing at the moment, I consult to several companies um, in the media area, and I discovered the chaps at INFM, or they discovered me, and we discovered each other quite recently, and I thought this was a very, very exciting thing. And I promise you, I'm not just saying that because it's on my iPhone, it's cool, as part of it, um, iWatch, um, but as a, as a media person, I've been around for quite a long time, there definitely is something very important about the growth of this area. From one side, exactly like OTT television, you could say, well, everything's going there. So ultimately, all of television will be delivered via the internet, and we'll start to switch off our satellite decoders, which was a wonderful technology for quite a while ago. And you might say that after a while, um, there, you know, in 50 years' time, everybody will be listening to radio, not via a cell phone tower or the, the, you know, the broadcast tower, but actually via the internet. But sure. But what's quite big about a couple of things that's going on in the industry at the moment is on the left-hand side, I'm going to look to the U.S., and 44% of U.S. adults, I've got a couple of references here, but I won't... Um, I won't harper on them, they're, I promise you they're real numbers. 44% of US adults in 2018 um, were listening to podcasts. They didn't necessarily listen only to podcasts and not to broadcast radio, just the same way as I watch Netflix and I also watch, um, you know, okay, I don't actually watch normal TV, but I might. Um, uh, so that's a, that's a very, very big number. And what's quite important is that it's up from 40% of the previous year. 
Now, from an advertising revenue perspective, there, last year, more money was spent on podcast advertising in the US than the entire of cinema advertising. So for us in media, that's, that's really big. That's the point where we start saying, okay, this is something that we really need to start paying attention to. And forget what the figure is, but what it, what it, what it, what it works out to is it works out to about 1.2% of the US total media spend for the year. And 1.2%, again, is bigger than the cinema spend. Now, if you take that figure of 1.2% in South Africa, and South Africa, um, we're talking about total radio spend of about 6.2, so you're looking at a figure of around about 719 million rand opportunity if the same adoption rates included in terms of podcasting and live radio, uh, live streaming. Now, um, I, 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 I'm quite well known for my um, distrust of industry data, which is why at most uh, agencies that I've worked at, we've worked very, very hard at um, identifying our own data because they don't always apply. So sometimes the data works really, really well if you're trying to sell baked beans, but not so well if you're trying to sell a C-class Mercedes-Benz. So we do have something in South Africa, uh, which is the BRC data, uh, which tells us that 36% of South Africans are using their mobile devices to access radio at the moment. And yes, it is true that a lot of those people are actually tuning to cell phones which enable you to listen to the radio, but that changes over time. So already we have a lot of people who are used to this device, and it allows us to say, okay, well, maybe that's going to grow in a big way, or we're primed for that. Also, um, we have data. Now, IFM is not the only provider of podcasting technology in the country, I have to be fair. It's certainly the most prolific. But on IFM alone, we have 2.4 million South African podcasters, and that was to quarter one of this year, which is up an astonishing 307% uh, from previous years. And that was you know, due to growth of the numbers of podcasters, but also organic growth in listeners. So it's a really, really exciting space. And, and what's incredibly tiny, I don't know if you can see on the, on the, on the plasma over there, is what I enjoy is that those figures I've just read out, the bottom right-hand corner, they come from verifiable, attributable Google Analytics and other various digital analytics. So we can really put a number on it. Um, I, I, I don't know if anyone else has had to deal with the, the disappointment of having one's listeners drop by 24% for some unexplained reason in six months um, and trying to deal with that. And uh, as media buyers, this, it gets quite concerning. And to have real numbers uh, from Google Analytics is fantastic. So, um, okay, so how do you advertise? Uh, I'm not going to include uh, revenue sources as in from subscription models and paywalls where you actually ask people to pay for the content. Really fantastic, very, very important. Works for a lot of online newspapers and something to be developed. My personal expertise is on the advertising side. And um, so we have an audio file in terms of a, a podcast. It's a fixed audio file that sits there that someone can download on the website, they can listen to it on their podcast app, they can gain from multiple ways. So there's a couple of things that we can do which are not going to be incredibly new to people in uh, radio. We can have generic ads, we can have live reads read out by station voices. It was quite interesting that last year uh, the figure was uh, very, very big. More than half of the ads on podcasts in the whole of the US were actually live reads as such. Of course, as you know, they're not live, but recorded voices uh, read as opposed to generic ads. Um, Product placement is a very, very important uh, area. Show sponsorship, brand shows, and programmatic. Um, 
So all of the all of the opportunities within podcasting is available uh, within radio is available within podcasting at the same time. There is another issue though, is that in a normal radio show you will have uh, natural ad breaks, sometimes a lot of ad breaks. Um, but in a, let's say, for example, this is a 45-minute podcast at the top. There's an opportunity to have a pre-roll, much like you feel, much like you have on YouTube. Maybe you have an ad at the end, and if it's long enough, um, like a 45-minute podcast, you could certainly fit in a mid-roll, um, which is, uh, you know, uh, not going to disturb people. But the thing is, is that because it's digitally delivered, we can then dynamically introduce that advertising. So there's a lot of people in the room today, and we're all different. Some of us are men, some of us are women, some of us are old, some of us are young. We buy different products, we do different things. And as ad buyers, we always want to be able to target people like that. In the olden days, uh, we used to go to sort of media data and we say, well, it turns out that radio station X has got this percentage of these people and these people and these people, and I correctly or incorrectly think that my market looks like this, feels like this, and acts like this, so we're going to go for it. Unfortunately, you get a huge amount of wastage, and that is a big, big problem. So again, if you're selling baked beans, sure, we can go for absolutely everybody, but if you're going for a specific style of street-style clothes, you might not want to be on the biggest radio station in the country. What uh, podcasting allows us to is actually to be on the content provider. So let's say there's a really awesome DJ on the biggest radio station in the country, um, and he's got really, really fantastic content, but you only want to get to a small percentage of his listenership. With uh, digital advertising, we are able to, through the podcasting engines, dynamically insert. Now, I could stand here and I could pretend that I am a futurist who's imagining 60 years' time when we're all going to be you know, droning to each other and it's be fantastic, but for now, the most basic way that, of, the, of doing that is to be able to deliver a podcast which is geographically uh, targeted so that you're only going within one country because, of course, you can listen to podcasts all over the world, and also specifically so that you can understand who listens to those podcasts through real Google Analytics rather than survey data. Um, and you can target the advertising in that way. So we've got geolocation um, as well. Also from an ad, ad perspective, um, there is a, quite a big benefit to being able to allocate a fixed budget to a certain amount of listens to a radio campaign. Um, previously, we would tend to say something like we need to develop a, a set of GRPs or ratings over a two to three week period, and it's this much budget, and actually it doesn't necessarily relate to what the client's targets are, because the client's targets were usually based on marketing targets, which were numbers, not necessarily per, uh, per, uh, people, uh, periods. The other thing that um, is quite a big issue in advertising, uh, particularly in Europe at the moment, and it, it is, is to a certain degree in South Africa, is the issue of brand safety. So we've had a lot of ads on YouTube um, and even Facebook appearing next to rather extremist content. So it is a very sad reality of the world that your fantastically wonderful target market that you do want to target can sometimes be in a frame of mind that you just don't want to be associated with. So if somebody is watching a YouTube video of a really awful hijacking in Rosebank, um, you might not want to have your specific ads settling amongst that. Now, um, we've needed to work as an industry very hard to ensure that brand safety is there. And with uh, the way that most podcasting advertisers are arranged is the value, and I speak to the converter, the value of the person delivering the podcast is so important 
that this is an area where the entire industry has rethought and said, well, let's actually go back a couple of years and say, I want to match my advertising content to the content that's actually going on. So in other words, these are the specific podcasts that I'm happy to go into because their content is of value. And if you're producing radio content, you're producing co podcast content, I think you'd be really, really appreciative of media agencies who start paying a little bit of attention more to content than they used to, which was just eyeballs. Um, okay, so that's the basic ways of advertising. Um, and in terms of the way that we plan media as, as media people and uh, media buyers, essentially, is at the top of the chain, we tend to be quite uh, media agnostic. So we want to get to the consumers, and we want to get the consumers in a reliable way, in an appropriate way. Sometimes you might see that a client or an agency gets very excited by something because it's fancy, um, or it's cool, it's going to look like on a, on a great uh, a PowerPoint and a case study. Um, but ultimately, uh, there, I, I believe there's quite a lot of honesty in the area, in the industry. So, you know, a very, very old, archaic way to look at it would say, uh, sort of media in the day, another way to say all of the touch points. And ultimately, what we're trying to do is trying to say, is there a time and a place or a, or a mind frame that we want to get to these people? Now, where that benefits in terms of podcasting is that uh, previously we would speak about these things in terms of what is the media type, according to AC Nielsen, is it TV, radio, printer, outdoor, or internet, um, or knock and drop, that we actually want to focus on. Whereas focusing more on touch points allows us to say, well, actually, the touch point that I want to get to is for your, for your Johannesburg commuter when he or she is commuting in a taxi. Cool. Now, there might be a KFC promotion, there might be a banking promotion, there might be a multitude of things that that's the right touch point to get to. And what that allows us to do as meter agency people is to say, well, I actually don't care whether I'm getting to that person through the broadcast radio versus through the podcast versus through the live stream. I just want to get to them in that particular space. So it, it means that as an industry, um, the, the sellers and the buyers, we need to try and jump over that, that, those silos that were created, um, not by poor old AC Nielsen, but by us as an industry which don't, don't really sort of keep that much um, importance. Okay, so another thing, and I, I speak about this, this quite a bit, is uh, the dynamics of the, the media chain. So, you know, I was, once, uh, I was once having a conversation with, I had a really, really big financial client and a conversation with a really awesome media owner who came to me and said, uh, we just spoke to the client. <laughs> I said, wow, that's awesome, fantastic, because there's about 238 people in the marketing department, there's about another 600 people in the product development market, um, and then there's about another 1,200 people who could say that they're, they are their bosses. So it's quite important to identify within the media chain uh, who it is that you actually want to get on side. So I'm going to talk about the client first, and then the ad agency and the media agency. Um, and there are different levels of motivation. So within the client, you have obviously the, you know, the people that one interacts on a, on, a, on a daily basis, people like media managers, brand managers, marketing managers. And they, they get quite intimately involved in terms of new technology and the like. Further up the chain, marketing directors, product managers, and CEOs, um, we need to do a bit of work as an industry to help them understand the relevance of this particular technology. I think if you went to most decent advertisers and you asked the guys who are over 50, 
who are in charge, and hopefully more women nowadays, but the reality is they're more, mostly like my dad, and you ask them what is podcasting, they wouldn't have a cooking clue. And part of our role is to be able to help them through that. Much easier to do with younger teams. Um, so that, that's the key place. Another part um, in, the, um, in the ecosystem, which, which uh, they like to think is incredibly important, but you know, it's, it's not the only thing, is the, the ad creatives. So as you can imagine, um, the, the kind of level of engagement that you could have in a subscribable podcast is going to be slightly more um, engaged than it is going to be in a radio live stream where you haven't necessarily specifically chosen to listen to that segment uh, of the radio. So that gives, you, um, that gives you a real great opportunity to, to slightly more intimately match the creatives and what they are doing with the podcast content. Um, and, and that is a key part which we as a media industry seem to forget. Another um, part within the, within the whole mix is the media agencies. And um, what's quite interesting is that there is 33,000-odd advertisers in South Africa, uh, according to last year's numbers, um, who report, uh, have, have reported advertising. And of those 33,000 advertisers, 32,000 of them spend less than 1 million rand a year. And that's a lot of advertisers. That's a very, very long tail of advertisers that are not anywhere in this entire system. But for the thousand at the top, the media agency is very, very important. And there's two characters that I wanted to, to highlight, um, is the digital strategist and what we would call the above-line strategist. So when you're having a radio conversation, and I mean broadcast radio conversation, inevitably, um, the strategy from the client has said, listen, we need to be spending 20% of our budget on radio for XYZ reasons at this particular market. And that brief tends to trickle down to somebody called an ATL strategist or an ATL planner. And the ATL planner is going to sit there and the ATL planner has got a budget that they're going to spend on broadcast radio. And they're a siloed. They're not interested in spending money in digital because that's not their expertise, that's not what they're used to, it's not what they're comfortable. And then we start to talk about the issue of this is my budget. Over down at the bottom, and he's there for a reason, at the bottom of the list is a digital strategist, which obviously in 15 years' time will be absolutely everything. But for now, the way our agencies are structured, the digital strategist sits in the bottom floor, in the corner, kind of out the way, and deals within a budget called uh, digital. And sadly, we have, a, um, we have a legacy arrangement where those digital strategy budgets are always incredibly tiny. And it's one of the problems that we've done as an industry. So we used to come back and we used to say, well, you know, um, we're spending 25 million rand on the TV ad and flighting it. That's fantastic. And we're going to spend 20,000 rand on the digital. And the digital people come back and they say, well, it was an amazing campaign. It did really, really well. And then the client comes back and says, well, we can increase that 20,000 budget to 60,000. And everyone gets excited. So a lot of what we've been working with in the last year is to help clients understand that the level of step change. So you'll get a lot of clients talking about a 15% proportion of the entire budget going to digital. It doesn't actually quite equate to the level of digitization in this market at the moment. My point, though, about talking to those two people is that essentially, if you are producing audio content, you're producing radio, which might be through live stream, might be through broadcast, and it might be through a podcast, you need to get those people together so that they're talking together. 
And it's a simple sales tactic. It is getting the digital person and the supposed broadcast person doing the buying the media to say, actually, we want to get after this content for this market. It's now being delivered in two different ways. How do we make that work together? Um, and that's a key thing there. I highlighted another one there, uh, which is the trading director, which, to be honest, I'd rather have the trading director discussions offline because those can get quite passionate. So um, I wanted to do, um, outline eight areas, um, and, and I really am speaking on behalf of media buyers, um, what one would expect as a media a, a, a industry for the producers of the content uh, to be concentrating on to be able to enable us to do what we need to do. So the, the first one is growing niche audiences. Um, and growing niche audiences is such a key important part of all of the media that we're involved in. So because we can, cont because we can um, much more easily plan digital audio advertising through podcasting, live streaming, we're, in a, we're, and we're enabled to extend the amount of stations or broadcasters that we get involved in. You may know this, but um, most radio planners will keep the number of radio stations on a schedule down to about five or six. The reason for that is basic issues. The Excel spreadsheet can only really cope with five or six. The Telmar system can only really cope with five or six. If you want to do a Telmar radio plan on 12 stations, you're not going to be able to go to the free lunch from the SABC this afternoon. Um, so there's some practical issues about that, and it is quite frustrating. It's also um, an issue of which radio stations you can recollect in your head, which you're going to drag and drop into your radio plan. Now, the way we can uh, advertise on digital radio means that long tail of small, tiny, but interesting podcasters you can actually get to in a much more reliable way. So growing niche audiences, I honestly believe, is a very, very important role for audio producers now. The second part as well, is protecting mass appeal programming. So when we're talking about doing anything beyond generic, so we're talking about going into really serious, broad-based, wonderful competitions that we as an industry have really enjoyed being able to get involved in. So, I mean, you know, doing something on Causey is just fantastic. On Jackaround, it's marvelous. You go to something that's really, really great, I'm not going to mention their name, but a tiny little radio station requires just as much work. So in, in, in order to protect mass appeal programming, being available through podcasting and through digital makes us feel more comfortable. The, th the other thing which I have alluded to quite a bit more is that the channel is audio. Um, we have this strange thing in the industry where we talk about, uh, about 20 years ago, we started talking about communication channels. And the idea was to get broad. And then a whole lot of people said, okay, well, I, I'm a channel. I'm, I'm newspapers. Newspapers is a channel. So yeah, we weren't really talking about that. We were talking about reading at your desk was the channel. So if you, if you elevate the conversation to say, actually, well, at the moment, we don't really have TV and Netflix and VOD and all this kind of stuff. We actually have video. And video is being con consumed multiple devices, but essentially it's the same thing, and it's being spread through multiple platforms. The same applies to audio from a comms perspective. Audio comes in multiple formats. So rather think about audio rather than specifically um, you know, digital radio, et cetera. Uh, I did speak about uniting digital strategists, broadcast planners, and ATL strategists, so getting those people in the room and not letting them divide. Um, the, the other one as well, and it's not, uh, I mentioned it before, it's not very huge in South Africa, brand safety is a really, really big issue. 
Um, I, I, I think, in fairness, having worked here for a very long time, I think a, a huge part of brand safety is the fact that most clients don't ever get to hear their ads in the wild. Um, you know, they read the Sunday Times, they listen to Highfold in the morning, but as long as you got those two right, you could have stuffed up everything else and they would have never heard it. Um, but it's becoming much more important, particularly with the reporting that we have. So now I can do an analysis and I can say, well, listen, the YouTube ads that we ran over the weekend went on to, you know, 16 terrorist YouTube channels, and now we know that, so you can't hide. Um, and then the other one is step-changing audience measurement. Now, I'm not going to um, try to, to bash uh, audience measurement because what's being done in South Africa, as it has been done for 35 years, is, is, is really great. And it's, it's helped us, it's been wonderful, and it was super duper. And you know, when I started, we had the big pages and you wouldn't, didn't even have it on computer and you'd take a ruler and all that kind of stuff. But fortunately, it is the 21st century and we have fantastic audience measurement. And as INFM, we're working very, very hard to get that audience measurement much, much better. Um, that, honestly, is going to be absolutely everything. There was a great presentation earlier today where somebody was talking about a, a number of uh, consumers who had responded to a radio ad, and then the reality that that number of consumers was only one one-hundredth of the people that had enjoyed the ad and possibly acted upon it. And as an advertiser, I wonder, okay, well, I'm not interested in the people that phoned in. I'm interested in the people that actually acted upon it. How much money did I make out of this? So that, very, that really, really excites me. And the, and the opportunity to be able to say, well, let's imagine your entire radio station was actually live stream slash podcast. I could say, right, well, I know exactly where those people are going online into my brand. It means you can charge more money for that. Um, the other one is to uh, recapture lost radio listeners. Um, we are launching, I'm very excited about this, we're launching a very big um, uh, survey um, to challenge uh, other surveys, uh, to be able to give a, a real concrete information on what is happening to podcast listeners, who they're listening, how they're listening, what the engagement is, all that kind of thing, with the principle that... Um, we need to know where those listeners are coming from. And it's not ready yet. It's going to take a while to get really good numbers out of it, and we don't want to just release them on no numbers. But already you can see, and the States is the same, and the UK is the same, already you can see that people who are listening to podcasts aren't necessarily coming from radio. There's a lot of crossover between uh, people who are reading blogs, people who are reading digital formats, people who are streaming television, it's kind of obvious. It's not necessarily the ones moving from the broadcast to the, the podcast, which is, which is really great, because I can actually say, let me take a superb um, DJ who's really, really awesome. I've got his radio audience, and actually now, if I go through to the digital formats, I'm not getting just the people that stopped listening and now listen online. I'm getting a whole bunch of new listeners who would have never turned on to him anyway, and I like that. Um, and then the last thing is to motivate and incentivize uh, the media chain. Again, this is possibly a discussion not to be had in an open forum, just in case anyone's recording this. Um, but um, that is a really, really big uh, thing in the industry, and we need to identify whose specific motivations are. So I'm very excited about the, the prospect of uh, digital advertising. Um, I, I mentioned a number right in the beginning, saying that in the US it's 1.2% of um, of podcasting, advertising revenues, 1.2% of the entire industry, which is larger than cinema. Um, South Africa has a way of le leapfrogging um, other industries. We have a market which is very prevalent in terms of their cell phones. I think about 16 people are holding their cell phones right now, um, which is great. Um, and 
it really is a market that's primed for it. It's also a continent that is primed for it. Um, and, and that's a very exciting thing to say. So I'm excited about it. I hope you are. And uh, show them some questions. Thanks so much, Russ. Any questions from the room for Russ? Oh, that's all right. No one? <laughs> no one wants to monetize their podcast. Oh, we have another one. Um, so... I don't know if you'll be able to name names of agencies. You said open forums. But I know Awake Online is the first agency who's now specifically dealing with streaming audio. Oh, yes. yeah. mm. Are other agencies at all interested in this? I know you said there's a digital strategist who gets a tiny little budget for that. But are, have any South African agencies actually put any money into podcasting and or uh, online streaming? You mean like at a media agency? Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. So I can, I can speak very personally. All the media agencies are very, very interested. The level of interest from the digital team is going to be much, much higher. Um, but there is a there is a siloed issue going on. So, so I, I mentioned it previously. So, so there is a there is a there's a huge group of people which are in charge of broadcast radio spend, and uh, they are incapable personally of planning digital. They're too old, they've been around, you know, they've been to 150 ETV trips, a million SABC trips, they have a lovely life. Um, and they really are never going to get digital. And they'll disappear in about 20 years when they sort of maybe 15 years, actually some of them should have disappeared five years ago because they're so old, but they're moving out. The problem is, is that the people who are the real sort of spokespeople for podcasting are very, very young and don't necessarily operate on that same thing. So the agencies are interested, but I honestly, and I've, we've done this, at, I can mention at OMD we've done this, is to marry that, that really bright, usually young person, doesn't have to be, in the digital area along with he or she in the ATL budget area and to come to a decision as to, okay, well, what portion of this audio spend do I want to spend on digital audio versus broadcast audio? And I think that's, that's kind of the thing. So every single big media agency is definitely interested in it. Every single ad agency is interested in it. Um, and I mean, I'm sure I can speak from my own FM's perspective, uh, a shitload of money is coming from the agencies, so they definitely are, are keen on it. Mm. All right, I've got two questions. One, you spoke about uh, the US and how live reads were popular yes, yeah. with podcasts. Um, uh, do you know why that yes. popularity? That's my first question. My next one would be uh, downloads versus just streaming yes. a podcast because um, with broadcast radio, I've, I see that they keep putting up podcasts online and, and with some stations, they'd just uh, be downloadable. Others, you just stream. Yes. So just so to sort of clarify and uh, highlight the advantages, disadvantages and what you recommend. Sure. So um, your first one jumped me. No, what was it about? Um, yes, the reason why so many live reads, yeah. So um, I've sold live reads to clients brilliantly of times saying, listen, if there's any ad agencies in the room, your voices are fantastic, they're really brilliant. But we actually want to be on um, you know, Michael Coulson's show. He's amazing. He you knows so much about finance. He's so intelligent. Why would you hire um, you know, some random voiceover that nobody knows, we could get him to speak about it. So from an advertiser's point, that's important. I, I know the industry in the UK, and I know the industry in, in the US to a certain degree, and a huge part of the reality is that clients aren't willing to advertise in podcasts, because most clients are kind of old and don't listen to podcasts and don't really believe in it. So a lot of generic radio advertising doesn't tend to yet get down to podcasting, um, which is why the live read is a lot more easier, um, because actually it's being offered in station boy, which, which effectively is seen as an added value. Your second, I hope that 
sort of, yeah, my time. Um, and then the second thought as well around uh, live streaming versus podcasting. So, so obviously at the moment, the format is a continuous 24-hour stream of audio, which is fantastic, and it's immediate. It's a bit like watching live sport. You don't necessarily want to watch recorded live sport unless you have to decide between the World Cup and Wimbledon this year, which is a real big issue, but we'll get to that later. And it, it is coming home, by the way. Um, and then, um, so, so podcasting, obviously, is, is an opportunity for a, a, a saved audio file. And that allows people to pick and choose what they're interested in. And if you use that through a podcasting app, rather than going through, like, let's say, the website of the radio station, you can then have five different podcasts on machine learning from five different sources playing immediately after each other. And um, so if you stream through podcasts through Spotify, for example, you could, you could have the same information going there. And then it allows you to do all sorts of fantastic things, like um, you know, recommend new podcasts that you didn't choose and, and, and let the, the information go that way. So I just, that makes sense. I'm babbling a bit, but yeah. Unfortunately, we have run out of time oh. for the session. Please, Sorry. can you... Uh, no, no, it's perfectly on time. Um, please, could you tweet your questions or find Ross afterwards? Just use that hashtag RDA18, and maybe Ross or one of us will answer. Sure. Just a note that the final discussion that will be happening in this room, um, the speakers have been announced. It's a it's a discussion around audio and innovation, and the speakers are Claire Mawisa, uh, Nelly Kalu, Andile Masuku, and Jonas Reif. Just uh, so you know, it's not originally in the program, but please join us for that discussion here.